Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number three. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here on a Buffalo Football Monday. And as we do every Monday, hour number three, we bring in Bill's radio color analyst on the Bill's radio network, one Eric Wood joining us on the show. Eric, good to have you. Glad you're home safe and sound. Uh, a little bit of a nail biter yesterday. Got a little hairy there. It was a nail biter. The Bills made enough mistakes to keep this Dolphins team in it till the very end. And it looked like early on it was going to be a runaway victory. But against anybody in the NFL, even if you're playing a team with a third string quarterback, if you make as many mistakes, the drops, the interceptions, the long punt return, the fumble for a touchdown, if you do that against anybody, you're lucky to get away with a victory. We were talking a minute ago, and I was making the distinction for, for Brown and everybody, and I kind of went to bat for what how players think about turnovers. And you say, well, Josh threw a couple of interceptions. You can't do that. And I was like, listen, both those interceptions are completely different mistakes. The result's the same, but they're different mistakes, and you don't treat them the same. And you don't treat the sack strip fumble the same either. That's Josh trying to get away from a sack. You try and get away from it. The guy gets a lucky punch, and the ball comes out. at catastrophe, right? The long throw interception is a completely different mistake than the mistake of throwing the one to Beasley, if you call it a mistake, and not being able to fit it in. And how those are handled are completely different than us just sitting out here in the media and then the fans just going, hey, just don't throw interceptions. Yeah, you're exactly right, because you want your quarterback to be aggressive. You have to be aggressive at quarterback to make plays in this league. A lot of times, those you look at Mahomes and Burrow and Allen, you know, they both had double digit interceptions this season. And that's OK, because they all are towards the top of the league in yards and touchdowns and everything else. You want your quarterback to go out there and make plays. Now, the decision making, you know, in, in those decisions, the long ball to John Brown, you know, Xavier, uh, Xavier Howard had leverage on him. Probably not a great decision to to throw that ball deep in that situation when you have the lead, you have the game control. But the, you were going against the Dolphins team yesterday, and it was evident early on. They were going to bring cover zero blitz. They were going to bring constant pressure. They're going to try and make big mistakes for this Bills team. And at times they did. Now, if it wasn't for a few drops, they could have got the brakes beaten off them early. We were 
joking in the in the broadcast booth, how long can they possibly keep throwing cover zero blitz out here because the Bills are going to just absolutely torch them. Stephon Diggs was on pace for about 400 yards at one point until he only had one target uh, from that point on when, you know, in the second quarter, he had six catches for 110 yards at that point. And so Miami was fortunate that their plan worked based upon a few drops by the Bills. Um, and then you had the sack fumble, which – you know, Josh just, I don't, I don't know the protection scheme anymore. And, and it, it allows me to speak honestly in these situations. I'm not sure who was at fault, if that's on Josh, if that's on the running back, the protection with the offensive line. Regardless, they forced the Bills in, into some mistakes yesterday, and their kind of risk-it-all approach worked. Eric, I know on the broadcast yesterday, you were amazed and shocked as to how often – Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator for Miami, was calling the zero blitzes over and over and over when Josh was killing them with it. But on the flip side of that, do you think it got to a point where Josh was almost lured into a false sense of security that eh, if they keep bringing zero blitz, we're going to have these big plays all afternoon, and then maybe Miami tweaked a few things to change the looks ever so slightly, and then suddenly those big plays got taken away and he got kind of, I don't want to say he got suckered into it. I want to say he kind of got lured into a false sense of security. Did you see some of that? Potentially. You know, I'm not sure exactly what was going through Josh Allen's mind in those situations. But, you know, you think of that second half possession where they try and take the top of the defense twice to Gabe Davis. Then you get a sack. And now you have a three and out in a crucial time of the ball game. You know, those Going down the field, you could punt. I mean, the Bills could have potentially thrown for 500 yards in this game, but still made enough mistakes to keep Miami in the game. You know, you you have a few of those balls that weren't dropped. If you connect on one of those two long Gabe Davis ones, shoot the the play, um, either the first or second play of the game, the long pass to Diggs. I mean, they just Josh just barely overthrows him. They were going to attack this team deep yesterday, and they just barely miss on a few of them, or we could be talking about a blowout. But when you take those high-risk, high-reward plays down the field, and then you have your three and outs, you have your punts, at times you have those interceptions, now you keep a team like Miami in it. And so we see this game, and Bill's fans, and, and it's funny, the attitude is like, wow, that did that win didn't feel like a win, you know, against the Miami Dolphins. What are the positives that come out of that? What did you see that gave you some some hope and some some affirmation about this team being really good? Yeah, I mean, they've won eight games in a row, and I feel like each week I come on here and we're talking about the flaws of this team. Uh, that's a testament to how what our expectations were preseason uh, coming into this season, and then also how good they truly are that we could nitpick them in the midst of eight straight wins for this Bills team. But, you know, there were plenty of positives. You know, you have clear Shakir minus the drop that he had on the long pass from Josh, where I didn't even feel like he needed to go to the ground, which uh, caused the ball to jar loose. But he's stepping up, and he's he's starting to make plays. I mean, it goes without saying, Kyrie Elam, the way he played yesterday, and if he's able to, to play like he did yesterday, gosh, this Bills defense just gets even better and better. You know, he, he was incredible. I liked what they did, too, uh, using him in some press man situations. That's what he thrived on at Florida. This is a complex Bills secondary. The Bills defense, they confuse teams based upon their alignment, how they post-snap adjust. They mix in, they mix up the zones constantly. Well, Kyrie Elam, he thrives in press man coverage. Well, they let him do it. They let him do it on the 
maybe the best receiver in football this season, him or Justin Jefferson statistically uh, tops in the league. And they let him go press man with him one-on-one, the rookie in the playoffs. And he did well out there against him when he was matched up. And so I love the play from Kyrie Elam. Hate that Dane Jackson went down with an injury. But Kyrie Elam stepping up like that was a huge positive. The two linebackers continue to play incredible ball. I mean, they were all over the field yesterday. Um, And then, you know, I thought at times the run game was successful again. And then, you know, you see Cole Beasley stepping into the mix, making a couple plays, getting his first career playoff touchdown. So there's plenty of positives. Look, you win a playoff game. And I know that this was such a big point spread. And with Skylar Thompson starting, we just all assumed, myself included, that this was going to be a runaway Bills win. But that's that's generally not the case in the playoffs. Look at the Ravens-Bengals game last night. They sneak by. You have the Jaguars come all the way back against the Chargers. Generally, these, generally these playoff games are going to be tight. Giants win last night against uh, Minnesota in another tight ball game. Yeah, I my biggest takeaway from from Buffalo's win was after the Dolphins made a point of shutting down Diggs and not allowing him to beat them, that other guys on the depth chart at the receiver position stepped up and contributed in a big way, whether it was Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley, as you mentioned, even Khalil Shakir made a, made a few plays that were critical in keeping drives alive. I mean, Dawson Knox has been on fire notwithstanding. But those guys, I think, put on film something important for Cincinnati to see, like, all right, well, if we take Diggs out of the game plan – it doesn't mean our job is done in terms of defending this passing game. Yeah, playoff game seems to be a real thing, doesn't it? And uh, he makes a nice touchdown grab. And, you know, if he if if Josh and him connect on one of those two deep balls, we're talking about another plus 150-yard receiving game for Gabe in the playoffs. And and he showed, up, he showed up in a big way yesterday. That's that one-two punch that we expected to see for a majority of this season. Well, we're seeing it now, and hopefully that continues – into this week against Cincinnati. But yes, there there are other options at receiver here besides Diggs. And if you're going to give Diggs too much attention, then everyone else can get you. And if you don't, then we're just going to simply pepper Diggs with the ball because he is that good. Um, and and there, this, this offense has just a plethora of weapons. And I mentioned the running game. You know, the running backs coming out of the backfield, I've heard people critique the fact that, hey, the last time against Miami – Devin Singletary, what do you have, eight catches? Well, this time the running backs go without a catch. Well, when they're bringing that much pressure at you, oftentimes the running backs have to block. Also, when you when when they're leaving the backfield, Josh is generally his first reads are going to be at wide receiver. You don't have that much time to make a decision to get all the way back to the running back in those cases. So you bring up briefly, you brought, thought, talked about the, the Cincinnati Bengals Last night, and I don't think none of us need it, but if you needed any proof how important offensive linemen are, look at Cincinnati before they started losing offensive linemen again last night. They were lighting up the Baltimore Ravens, and then they lose their left tackle, and another guy gets hurt. I think one of their guards got hurt as well, and all of a sudden, they stopped scoring points. Yeah, their entire game plan had to change. They started running the football more, and then it all became a quick passing game. And Cincinnati, the way they're able to attack you deep, they're able to attack you short. Burrow's incredible with decision-making. Well, it takes a lot of that away when you can't 
protect the passer. And so it's going to be interesting to see. It's been reported Jonah Williams dislocated kneecap. I would assume that means that he's out for this week. They're already without Lyle Collins. He's out for the season. The right tackle to an ACL at right guard. They had an injury last night. Uh, they, um, they were already without Alex um, Kappa was out with an ankle injury. The left Alex guard. Kappa was already out. And then they start a rookie at left guard. You know, we talked a lot this off season about Von Miller bringing, being brought in to be the closer, to be the pass rusher. Well, we've also addressed that in the draft. We also brought in four other free agent defensive linemen last, last off season. This is a game where they're going to have to affect the quarterback. They they simply have to between the crowd noise, Cincinnati being on a silent count, which generally gives the defensive line an advantage, especially in obvious pass situations. This is a game where these this defensive line has got to take over because you can't pressure Joe Burrow. You can bring five, but if you blitz him with six, Joe Burrow is eventually going to make you pay, just like Josh Allen did to the Dolphins yesterday. And, and like we said, if it wasn't for a couple of drops, Josh would have been well over 400 yards passing. And so you can't simply bring constant pressure at him from the second level. Now, I, I have liked what Leslie Frazier has done, understanding how good Matt Milano is rushing the passer. So they'll bring him. They might drop a defensive end in that situation. So they're only truly bringing four again. And so they can be creative by bringing in Matt Milano or Tremaine Evans from the second level, but you got to be really careful about blitzing Joe Burrow. And so that four-man rush up front has got to be productive this week. Spinning, yep. spinning another defensive tactic by the Dolphins forward into this next matchup with the Bengals, we saw the Dolphins a month ago use Justin Bethel, the safety, as a spy on Josh at times, particularly in the red zone. And then this past week, they use Elijah Campbell, a faster and more athletic safety, and he really kind of forced Josh to hesitate sometimes. I know you even noted it on the broadcast that Josh was hesitant to take off and run, and I think it was due in part to the fact that he knew he had an athletic guy spying him. How do you think that impacts Cincinnati's decisions defensively with Lou Anarumo no doubt looking at that and saying, oh, we might want to try that a little bit? Yeah, the Patriots did some of that as well. We've seen that throughout the year where it used to be you spy the quarterback with either maybe one of your a defensive linemen, they don't rush the passer, or maybe it's one of your linebackers. Well, Josh Allen has proven that theory over five years to just not work. He's he's faster and more athletic than almost every linebacker and defensive lineman in this league. Okay, so now you go secondary player, which he has a size advantage over, but that secondary player with his speed can corral him and people can rally to the football. And so um, I, I do believe you'll see some type of spy utilized in this game by the Bengals. I think you're silly if you don't and you're playing the Bills. Now, zone coverage can help. That's going to help you not give up those third and long, easy first downs that Josh seems to pick up anytime that you run man-to-man defense. And so Cincinnati runs more zone. And so I think you could just see that where everyone has their eyes on Josh Allen, but I expect this week as well, similar to later in the second half yesterday, where you saw a couple designed runs by Josh Allen. I think you'll see it this week. I think this, you know, you have you have three games to go in this season, and if you don't get this one, you don't get a chance at the next two. And so it's do or die mode. And and yes, your running backs are productive, but I think you could see some more read option type plays this week. And Hendrickson and Hubbard are great on the edge, but in those read situations. Josh has got an athletic advantage over those guys. We saw last week, you mentioned the, the way the Patriots 
defended Josh last week against the week 18 against the Patriots. He had nine rushes for 16 yards yesterday, four for 20, plus all the sacks that he that he took. That's I think with the spy, that's exactly what we're looking at. They're not trying to tackle him. They're just trying to make him beat them from the pocket. Certainly scoring 34 points, you'll beat a lot of teams doing that. But they really, they're down to that. They're, I mean, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to pick their poison when they play Josh Allen. Don't let him tuck it under his arm and take off running. Make him at least beat you from the pocket. Maybe we can man up on Gabe Davis, Beasley, Shakir, and double up Diggs and beat these guys. And, you know, if and you know the, you mix in the zero blitz with maybe a couple of big plays, and it turns out as a pretty close game. But I think that ability to keep Josh Allen from pulling the ball down and running with it in passing plays seems to be the crux of the defensive plan against him the last couple of weeks. And it's been pretty successful. Yeah, it has been. And that's what you have to do against Josh. You have to keep him in the pocket. His quarterback rating uh, is tops in the league when he's under pressure. You put him in scramble mode and he's looking to make plays down the field and he can also take off with his legs and just crush you with big plays uh, on the ground. And so, yes, having a spy trying to corral him in the pocket. Now, with those cover zero blitzes that Miami was running yesterday, that also uh, limits the run game. And you're going to have more sacks because it's just quick decisions, but then you're going to give up the big plays as well. We used to always joke that defensive coordinators run a lot of cover zero blitzes on the road and not at home, because if you do it at home, then you can get booed out of your own stadium. And it seems like it would be counterintuitive because, you know, if you're if you're the Dolphins and you're playing at home at Hard Rock Stadium, then it's going to be harder to communicate those blitzes and pick them up. But as a defensive coordinator, you always have uh, in the back of your mind, man, I'm about to get boot out of this stadium uh if this happens again i'm curious eric and i I mean i don't know how effectively you can answer this because you you've never been an nfl coach but with the game just three weeks ago scrapped and you know game plans fully prepared how much of that do you think carries over to this week or does too much change week to week where you think maybe these coaching staffs almost start from scratch again I think that's a great question, and I think it stays similar to your game plan and what you didn't show in that night, maybe what worked that night. I know the Bills only had one offensive series. Cincinnati had two, and and so you're you're probably seeing what worked that night. You're you're you can and then you can say, okay, this is how the Bengals lined up to these formations. Maybe we switch some things formationally um, or within that formation. Here's what plays we'll run out of this now. But but I do think you'll you were probably confident going into that game. Uh, you had time to prepare for that Monday night, extra time to prepare for that Monday night game. You had a lot of time to game plan. You probably loved your game plan going into it. And so you're likely going to stick with many of the things that you had going into that one, especially what you didn't show there. But on a week-to-week basic basis, personnel changes. We'll see if Isaiah McKenzie could play this week. That could change some things game plan-wise. James Cook has been playing so good. Is it is it more Cook? It was also interesting to me, until that third and seven run, they actually gave James Cook the first attempts at, at uh, moving the sticks there at the end of the game with the game on the line, which is rare. Usually you'll say, hey, let's give it to our more veteran running back, not our rookie in this situation. But that just shows the confidence that they have James, in James Cook at this point of the season. But, Chris, I think that's an excellent question, and I believe – that game plan wise, you'll 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 probably do something similar, which probably speeds up uh, the preparation process this week. 
Yeah, in fact, the Bengals had some pretty good success. I mean, the Bills hadn't stopped them up to that point. They went down um, pretty easily in their first drive, scored a touchdown, and the Bills moved it really well as well. Couldn't finish it off in a touchdown with the incompletion of Beasley there in the flat, which was a lot like the touchdown pass he caught this last week. Uh, they settled for the field goal, kicked off, and here they were. Here go the Bengals again before uh, Demar got hurt. Uh, yeah, it, the game ended with five minutes to go in the first. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. quarter so really the game plans are still intact uh, minus one series um, and there's a little bit different feel about this game the Bengals have every right to be a little bit upset that it's actually happening in Buffalo rather than Cincinnati they do and I live in Louisville which is very close to Cincinnati which is where I'm from so I hear a lot about why this maybe should be a neutral field similar to if the Bills win and Kansas City both win this weekend, it would be a neutral field then. I mean, look, in an unprecedented situation, the NFL did what they could. They tried to keep it as fair as possible. And, I mean, it's it's unfortunate. But as much – so, yes, the Bengals looked very good to start that game. How many times this year have the Bills given up an opening – possession touchdown or teams moving in on them early and then they put the clamps on the team like let's not act like the Bengals were about to run away with that game the Bills are actually favored in that game as well and in their only possession they marched it all the way down the field and had a short field goal attempt and, and failed in the red zone so I, I see both sides of it um, I think the Bills earned the right to play this game in Buffalo this year. Eric, thanks as always for the time. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you at the end of the week when you're back here in town, man. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. That's Eric Wood, radio analyst for the Bills Radio Network, joining us as he does every Monday after Bills games. And uh, he'll be doing the same thing next week, hopefully after another victory. As uh, well, that's, that's what we're all shooting that's for always here. The plan, yeah. Uh, and this is, and we you kind of forget, but. You worked so hard to get back to this moment. We've been talking about, think back, we're going to the combine and we're revving up and you're, yeah, you know, starting and, over. and you're living with the scar tissue, the Kansas City overtime loss last year in the, in the postseason and all of the things that go on with it. And you finally go through regular season. You start out like a house on fire, go through the injuries and the, and, um, the Dawson Knox and the blizzards and then, of course, DeMar Hamlin. All of that stuff happens, and you're finally back here, and it and it's so fragile. Yeah, you got to meet a team that it was in the Super Bowl last year. You do get this game at home, but man, oh man, they are playing really, really well. They're playing really well, and you're going to have to play better than you've shown in the last few weeks to beat them. It's it's a playoff atmosphere. Yeah, knowing how talented the Bengals receiving core is across the board. I, I don't know that I would anticipate seeing them having a corner follow any one guy in particular. Do you know what I mean? Cause oh, yeah. I think Jamar chase can hurt you just as, I mean, T Higgins can hurt you just as bad as Jamar chase can hurt you. 
So I would tend to think they keep the corners on the same sides and just take whoever you get. But I like Kyir Elam a lot on T. Higgins just because he's got size and length, which we know the Bills covet when they're targeting cornerbacks, either in free agency or the draft. And he's got the length to get up and contest some of those balls that T. Higgins more often than not comes down with. I think prior to the game in week 17 between the Bills and the Bengals, which was ultimately scrapped, Higgins was fourth in the league in contested catches. He had 16 at that point in the season. Uh, He just goes up and gets it. But I like Elam in that matchup, especially after watching him yesterday. Watching him going stride for stride with Tyree Hill on a 15- or an 18-yard comeback. I mean, he was right in his hip pocket. It was impressive. Um, I hope that is – I'm sure that's not lost on the coaching staff. I think he's made some important strides at an important time of the season, and I'm all in favor of him getting a boatload of more playing time because I think that interception helps him with his confidence. So, yeah, for my money, I – I get, get them it. on the field more. I, I don't think they're going to stop doing exactly what they've been doing and using the same criteria to get guys on and off the field that they've been. Uh, certainly injuries play a part in that. Dane Jackson's if he's injured and how badly that is and how long it'll keep him out or if it will at all. All that stuff goes into the mix. Uh, they're not going to change what they've done because Kyer has a good game. Uh, they didn't do that for the running backs. They don't do it for the wide receivers. They don't do it for offensive linemen. Uh, you get you get what you earn, so yes, Kyrie. I think it was it gave all the Bills fans if they were watching him closely, like like you were, and I was. Uh, that was a great sign. It was a great sign uh, that you know after maybe some doubt by a lot of Bills fans, maybe they did draft the right guy, and he's going to work out and be the guy we all hoped he would be, uh, particularly at the most important time of the year. So I'm I'm with you. I, I don't have a problem with him playing at all. I'm, you know, but he wasn't even the starting cornerback in the beginning of the season. Yeah, it was Christian Benford was. Yeah, and I wonder how long that's that situation is going to play itself out. What happens when he does come back? All of those things, but it it does give you some hope and some confidence that are the secondary is coming together at the right time. Yeah, and it it will be something to keep an eye on because Dane Jackson, as we know, left the game yesterday with an injury and. What's his availability? Because each of the last two weeks, Christian Benford has been available, but he was on the inactive list. They go into the game with four corners. They lose Jackson yesterday. They were down to three. Um, I'm talking outside guys at this point, not, you know, Taron Johnson or Saran Neal, who both play nickel. So, depending on Dane Jackson's availability, Benford could be up this week. And, right. If you know, he's he ready, could be I'm back sure. in the lineup. If he's ready, I'm sure. And it won't be. And it, luckily, Kyrie, you got a lot of confidence in Kyrie, so Brent Benford won't have to be from a month, or however many weeks it's been since he's been active. Yeah, because he was to, on IR, and yeah. then he's been inact- healthy and active the last two weeks. Right, from being there to in the game all in the time. In a playoff yeah, game. Yeah, in a playoff game. Yeah, you don't want that's, – that's a little bit of a big jump. Not that he wouldn't <clears throat> play and play well, but man, oh man, I don't know how ready he could be. Yeah, there's some interesting news concerning Bengals left tackle Jonah Williams, who we mentioned already, left last night's game with a dislocated kneecap. I don't know if it's the same knee, but some reporters out in Cincinnati are reporting this is a recurrence of the same injury he suffered in week five. 
That is why he's going for MRIs to determine the extent of the damage, because if it happens again, you know, now you're worried about this chronic thing. And, you know, I be, apparently he came back and played the next week when he did it in week five. But now it's happened a second time. And the integrity of that knee joint has to be of concern to the medical team for the Bengals. So his availability is firmly up in the air. As we already mentioned, their starting right guard, Alex Kappa, missed the game with an ankle injury. We already know that their starting right tackle, Lyle Collins, has been out for the last three weeks and will be out for the remainder of the season with a season-ending injury. So Hakeem Adeniji has been filling in for him at right tackle. And this coming Sunday will be his fourth start uh, since replacing Collins. And then Steve had mentioned that their other guard, I'm guessing it's Cordell Volson, got hurt in the game as well. So their offensive line now is a mash unit. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on for the rest of this week to see who's up and who's down for them. Up until week 15 of the NFL season, the the Cleveland – the, the Cincinnati Bengals didn't lose a single man game to their offensive yeah, line. Yeah, they had, they were unchanged. All five guys started every game for them. Now the, the law of averages Jonah, has come home Jonah to Williams roost. in week five didn't finish the game, but he came back and played the next week. So they started every one of their seventeen regular season games. Well, up until week sixteen, uh, they started every one of those games with the same five guys. Yeah, yeah, I remember noting that when we were getting ready to play the Bengals that week. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, something else we do every Monday after a Bills victory, the Maddie Awards. With our colleague Maddie Glab, they're coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Hi, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a Buffalo Football Monday, and joined now by Bills reporter Maddie Glab because it is time for the Maddie Awards, presented by Energy Mark, the official energy supplier to the Buffalo Bills. Maddie, I can't wait to see what you have in store for us this week. They did have the Critics' Choice Awards last night. I saw that. Hey, hey. And they had the Golden Globes last week, so All why right. not the Maddies, right? Why not the Maddies? We're sticking to sports here, though. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. All right. All right. Want to start off? Right, yeah, leave us the first one. Number one, we've got our grown-up award, and I'm giving that to Kair Elam and some of our other rookies who made some plays, James Cook, Khalil Shakir. I loved watching Kair Elam step up in Dane Jackson that's Jackson's absence he had an interception when the Bills were down and they needed it and then they score on the next drive he had that big pass breakup on fourth and five with just over two minutes to go in the game I mean his size his athleticism and toughness were really on display and that's uh, those are some of the many reasons why they drafted him to begin with and you know you're a rookie it's a big moment. It could have been too big for you. And he stepped up and he answered the call. I always say that. He he did a great job in, in Dane's absence. And it was great to see James Cook get involved with that touchdown. And then Khalil Shakir had that big third down grab for 31 yards. Uh, the drive ended in a punt, although. Um, but to see these few rookies be involved in the game plan, when they weren't involved in game plans every single game, to see them step up, to see them shine bright when it could have been too big, I think says a lot about their growth this season, where they've come, um, how much they've leaned on some of the older guys, and you know what it, what it could be going forward for these three. We'll see how they're involved in this next game, but kudos to them. So you start with the, the three rookies, Elam, 
Cook and Shakir, and you go into the established veteran for your next <laughs> award, the All Pro Form Award. All Pro Form, Mr. Matt Milano. He had some big time plays in yesterday's game. He gets named All Pro, and then he goes out and shows why he should have been named All Pro a few years ago. Uh, led the defense with two sacks yesterday, had 10 tackles. Great tackling in yesterday's performance. Steve, you talked about that in our postgame show, how he's always been a player that is a great form tackler. So let's see what he can do next against the Bengals because they are going to need him, especially if the Bengals, like you guys said, going into the break in the last segment, if they're down some offensive linemen, this could be an opportunity for your front seven here. Yeah, no question. Hopefully that happens. We're, we're going to be like watching Twitter for <laughs> Bengals O-line injury updates all week long. We're going to be shameless <laughs> scrollers. Uh, okay, end zone magnet award. This one seems pretty self-explanatory. Dawson Knox, he's our end zone magnet, has a touchdown in five straight games. He's one of three tight ends to do that since 1970. Now, Kelsey and Gronk are the other two. They have longer longer streaks, so we'll see if Dawson Knox can get there. But that was a heck of a catch that he had to put the Bills on the scoreboard uh, early in this one. He almost had two. I wish he would have had two. Um, but love that consistency out of him. Love that he's being targeted in the end zone because he's such a great mismatch. That catch was ridiculous. Reaching around a guy and one hand in it. He, like, basically grabbed it with his bicep. Yeah. Right, and then on, on his way down, he had to play some minus 15 down in had his chance to to get his hand on the ground rather than his knee or take a chance on it and and uh it, it was it was great it was really heads up play that happened in a split second um the next one is a one of the guys that really got the bills off to a, a fast start the tone setter Stefan Diggs tone setter that's Stefan Diggs I mean they went to him early and often and I I think a lot of us thought that was going to be the case based on their final game of the regular season Stefan Diggs was a big part of that game plan uh, he had some of those deep balls early on and I think that kind of set the tone for the offense right away the bills were humming on offense in that first quarter it looked like they couldn't be stopped and a lot of that is because of Stefan Diggs he had five catches for 96 yards in the first quarter so Keep it up because you're going to be playing against a team who also likes to throw the football a lot. All right. And we go from one receiver to another in the Heating Up Award. Gabe Davis is heating up. He arrives right on time. Playoff, Playoff Gabe. Gabe Davis. <laughs> showing up when it's win or go home. Better late than never. Uh, his first 100 receiving yard game since the beginning of the season. Those first few weeks. I think it was week five yeah, when Pittsburgh, he had his last yeah. one. Uh, so the Bills need another guy other than Stefan Diggs who can be that reliable person who can also put up 80, 90, 100 receiving yards in big games because we know Josh Allen throws the ball in the playoffs. Yeah, and it was great to see. And it was he was consistent. It happened in, in early, mm -hmm. mid, and late in the game. It was very nice to see him be involved in the, in the entire way. And now as we get through, there's one of very many games this week, so we had to give some shout-outs around the league yeah. to people we love and respect. Shout-out to the Giants, to Brian Dayball, to Isaiah Hodgins. Brian Dayball getting his first playoff win as the Giants head coach. So many familiar faces on that roster, uh, and we love to see that type of success out of them. Isaiah Hodgins with over 100 receiving yards and a touchdown. I love that he's had a role, a, a new opportunity for himself on a new team. Daniel Jones, 
who are you? 78 rushing yards? Yeah. 300 passing yards? Two passing touchdowns? And no what? turnovers. No turnovers? Oh, my gosh. Brian <laughs> Dayball, you're a magic man. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Uh, all right. Last one. Epic finish. There were a couple epic finishes, and I think uh, <laughs> the Jags and Chargers kind of set the tone for what we would see the rest of the weekend because Sunday was full of them. Uh, I mean, the Jags survived with a game-winning field goal as time expired. Come back from being down 27 to nothing when you thought there was absolutely no way with Trevor Lawrence's four interceptions that he had, but he said, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're going to find a way to win this game. Jags move on. And then the Bengals and Ravens game had the making of that, too. Sam Hubbard's 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown on third and goal. A lot of question marks about that play for sure. Um, and then fourth and 20, end of the game, Hail Mary throw. Kind of close. The fingertips. Kind of yeah. close there. Yeah, that but it had shades of the Hail Murray from four years ago, five yeah. years ago. And uh, – it was you knew it was going to be a good game, but you didn't know if Baltimore was going to hang in there. Yeah. And man, oh man, from the first quarter through the Way end of the game, they battled tooth and nail, mm -hmm. made some enormous plays uh, to keep themselves on the field offensively, and and make that a great game with a great finish. That we had a caller on, and you probably don't know this. You you weren't here. You probably were here. Were you here? For, you might have been. Monday Night Football in San Francisco, Buffalo Bills against the Niners. I think it's like 1995. Yeah, the exact same. The yeah. exact same thing happened to Derek Holmes and one of the linebackers. I can't remember who it was. Lee Woodall. Lee Woodall was picked linebacker. up, scooped up the fumble, and went the entire 95 yeah, or 97 against yards against the Bills for you a touchdown. The exact happen. same thing, and and Ooh. and the result of the game was the same. It was a close loss uh, for the Bills, and those are that, you talk about soul crushing. That's it. There are a few right. teams that were were without their starting quarterbacks, and then they proved. We can we can stick in there. Yeah, playoff teams should be able to compete without their starting quarterback because of their roster should be solid enough right. to get through the regular season with all the tests they have. But and we saw it this weekend why it's really really important to have your top guy available. Games could be even tighter this week, yeah. mm -hmm. especially with all of the. Well, the Giants are what? The Giants were really the only technical upset of the entire weekend right because that's correct yeah the jaguars were the division winner they were playing it could at happen. home so it that could happen tonight <laughs> slightly but that was the four five oh, right matchup. yeah Dal we still have dallas and tampa tonight but yeah really it was the giants is the only upset so you know the higher seeds all advanced so the better teams are still in it quote unquote mm -hmm. so yeah. you would think that the games could even be tighter this week which is crazy to think right no one what yeah. there was only we've seen only a lot the niners, already the niners wasn't a one score game yeah. Um, and no, the Giants was a one-score game. Bills Everything was a one-score game. Yeah. Everything else was yeah. a one-score game. Bengals, Ravens. Gonna be even closer yeah. this week. Yeah. It's I, I just had that. The Seahawks. Up. The Seahawks are the only team that got drubbed by fourteen. Well, by eighteen. Yeah. So. All right. Well, those are the Maddie Awards. Thanks very much, Maddie. Mm -hmm. We appreciate it. We hope you're sitting in that same chair at the same time next week because that will mean another victory and yeah, on to the AFC title game. Maddie Awards are presented by Energy Mark, the official energy supplier to the Buffalo Bills. Steve and I will take a break. Be back to close things up next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And it's time for Vision to Victory, presented by Atwal Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. Steve, for me, it was the defense that secured the win. Yes, the offense put up all those points, but they probably don't put up as many if Kyrie Elam doesn't get that pick in Miami territory to kind of turn the tide and give the Bills the lead back when the offense comes on a short field and cashes in. And let's not forget the defense had to defend four short fields in the game and did not allow Miami to score a touchdown on three of those four possessions. Really amazing when you consider they were in Buffalo territory on each and every one of them. Yeah, the short field that Buffalo gave Miami on a couple of occasions was their only way to staying in that football game yeah. uh, and outright take the lead in the third quarter with the sack strip fumble. So I I, believe, I, th I think you're right. The defense really deserves kudos for this, uh, holding them to three field goals on short fields right out of the gate. Uh, the Bills turned it over on downs their first possession and then came back and scored two TDs quickly and then had the drop TD for the field goal by Knox. So it looked like the Bills were going to get this game in hand quickly, but they started turning over again. So yeah. you're right. The defense really deserves kudos. Uh, certainly playing against a third quarterback, you'd expect to have some success. But with the weapons and the type of athletes that Miami has on the outside, we just didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but they rose up, got some great play from some of their young players, as we heard from Maddie just a few minutes ago, and, and they came out with a win in a game you had to have. Some cool marks set yesterday. Josh Allen, by throwing for multiple touchdowns yesterday, threw for three, has now – in all 11 of his career meetings with the Dolphins, thrown for multiple touchdowns. That breaks a new or sets a new NFL record previously held by Dan Marino, who had thrown multiple touchdowns in 10 games against the Jets. Yeah. So Josh Allen surpasses him with his 11th game with multiple touchdowns against the Dolphins. As you know, if the Who's Your Daddy game continues, awesome although it takes stuff. on a little bit different yeah. complexion, right? Awesome now. stuff. I was looking at those, and I told you this. I don't know if I said it on the air earlier in the show, but that teams with five takeaways and zero turnovers of their own yeah. are three hundred and thirteen and three over the hundred and plus year, some odd year of the NFL. Yeah, the Chargers joined that crew of the three Woo. this last Saturday. Five turnovers they got. Didn't have any turnovers of their own, and they lost. Yeah, one they even took back for a touchdown. Gabe Davis with a receiving touchdown yesterday, Steve, tied James Lofton for the second most receiving touchdowns in team postseason history. Those two guys are now only trailing Andre Reid, who is the record holder with nine. With a receiving touchdown, Gabe Davis also became the third bill with a receiving TD in three consecutive playoff games, joining Andre Reid and James Lofton. And then with eight plus – oh, no, he didn't do that. Stephon Diggs, with his 100-yard receiving day yesterday, became the second bill with three or more 100-yard receiving games in the playoffs, joining Andre Reid, who has five. And with his seven receptions, Diggs ties James Lofton and Don Beebe for the third most receptions in postseason team history. Just some cool marks that got set mm -hmm. yesterday in the win. That's it for Steve and I today. We've got a big show for you tomorrow. And uh, we'll have Michael Renner from Pro Football Focus joining us on Tuesday's show as we begin to turn the page, Steve, towards Bill's 
Bengals. I kind of felt like we got prepped for this team already because we were getting ready for that game yeah. just three weeks ago. An interesting game. It's going to be a lot of interest in this game to watch these two teams play uh, in that game that was stopped because of the DeMar Hamlin. And wouldn't it be great if DeMar stopped by and said hello to us this week? Oh, that would be pretty neat. Yeah. Bengals have won nine in a row. Bills have now won eight in a row going into this one. Steve and I are back tomorrow at 1. Don't you dare miss us. We'll see you then and back on TV as well. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.